Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So basically, I'm just um, I'm having a chat with my friend Courtney, <laughs> and uh, I think that a lot of you who listen to this know that I have an obsession with everything to do with Bravo television. And I, my mission is to get more Brits watching it so that I can gossip about it. And, um, and Courtney is my friend. So we met on, how did we meet me on sort of yeah. Instagram following and stuff? Yes. Yeah, I was obsessed with Below Deck. So Courtney's in Below Deck. Well, she was in Below Deck. Yeah. And um, I was obsessed with Below Deck and I really liked her in it. So I followed her. And then I forget that if I follow British people who are in a reality show, that they might well know me. Yeah. So Courtney <laughs> then followed me back. So I go, oh, my God, Courtney's following me. She's going, oh, my God, Denise is following me. <laughs> Literally. Literally like that. That's my family. I was like, oh, my God, Denise is following me. And I'm going to my family. <laughs> Courtney from Below Deck is following me. <laughs> oh, my God, it's hilarious. <laughs> because my, 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 my other Below Deck follower that I haven't managed to make friends with yet is Captain Lee. Oh, yeah. So Captain follows me on Twitter but he never he never really talks to me but yeah. it was quite a cool quite a cool thing yeah he's quite big on Twitter isn't he he's very big on Twitter and he's well I think he's just he's sort of like you know the older woman's fantasy man to a lot of people yeah. isn't he yeah and yet he's so happily married yeah. now for those of you who don't watch reality shows and who don't watch below deck and who don't watch any bravo shows all i have to say is tough because as you know from now this podcast is about anything that's happening to me in my life and this week when i knew that courtney and i were going to have coffee i just wanted to catch up with her so before we just get into a bit of career courtney's just come back from a non-televised actual because being a yachty. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So where were you? And what boat was it? Um, so it was a 98-metre boat. I can't say the name of it because that's San Andy. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, joined them in Malaga, and then we went to Shamal Sheikh, and then we went to Saudi for the Jeddah F1, Formula 1. Wow. Yeah, it was a, it was a crazy experience. The dock, the boat was docked literally, like, right by the track. Um, and, like, the parties around, like, Marina were mental and bearing in mind that saudi is a dry state yes so, so it just worked that because you are offshore mm -hmm. i guess i mean for me being in dubai 
where, yes, we would go to a restaurant and people would drink, but as a sober person, it was not that I'm the drink lease, as you know, but, yeah. you know, sober 11 years, it was absolutely bliss for me in Lincoln yeah, to not have loads of drunken people falling out of bars. Because yeah. normally on holiday, when we go somewhere, you know, quite popular or commercial, it's fine, but people get people get Dutch courage to come up to you, don't they, when, when, they, when they've had a drink. Yeah. And it's usually very nice and very positive, but you're sort of swamped by lots of drunk people. That's so true. I never even thought of it like yeah. that. Like, I'm sure for you, especially, yeah, when you go out and, like, if people are getting drunk, then they're like, oh, now they've got the confidence to come over. And well, they have, but also, um, and I don't mind. I mean, I, you know, I love people coming over. I've had 40 years of it. Obviously, I really like it yeah. when people are nice. And people in the main, I would say 98% are. The only thing with drunk people is that they pull you. You know, that thing of, like, just come and meet, just come yeah. and meet. And it's like, I'll come, don't pull me. Yeah. But, of course, for those of you listening... Um, Courtney is probably more well-known in America, would you say? Yeah. As regards recognition on the street? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I still get it in really random places. Like, I was in my local pub in Hackney the other day, and, like, all the bar staff were, like, one of them was a massive fan, and a few of them had watched Below Deck, so they were, like, have to ask, but you, Courtney? And then, like, the whole bar staff were, like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, like, it's really random, like, people where I get it. Well, I watch it... I watch, it's on the telly here, but it's like the older episode, so you haven't come on it yet, I don't think. Have you on Below Deck? Uh, or have you just come on it? No, I don't know. What, what What are you watching it on? Well, I watch it on Hey You. Okay. Yeah, so I think season seven, I think I am on that one. Right. Because um, I never watch my my Housewives and Below Decks on telly. I watch it on an app called Hey You. Mm-hmm. And Hey You means that we get all the reality shows that we obsess over the day after America gets them. Yeah. So you're not sort of watching Courtney a while ago. Well, you would be, but not as... What I mean is, as the series airs on American television, we get it the day after. Yeah. And that's why I love Hey You. In fact, maybe Hey You might sponsor this um, podcast yeah, now. Perfect. Yeah, sponsored by Hey You. Just a thought, <laughs> Hey You. Getting more and more people into my into my reality world. But obviously in America, it's huge on the actual telly. Yeah. Bravo is massive. Yeah, it's yeah, it's huge in America. Like there's that, like proper I went to BravoCon the event and I've never felt so famous in my life, literally. BravoCon <laughs> is like um Comic Con or Drag Con. Yeah. You know, it's where all Bravo People like me know all the Bravo reality shows. And um, so you get your Real Housewives of Miami, you get Vanderpump Rules. Oh, Vanderpump Rules. We've seen all of that. We've got to gossip about that. Yeah. Then you get Below Deck. So I think that's what Courtney's saying. That Didn't you take your mum? Yeah, I took my mum. And I didn't really know it was going to be as crazy as it was. And she obviously definitely didn't know because she's never really been there when people have even stopped me on the street and been like, hey, oh my God, are you Courtney? So like we got there and it was me- it was honestly me- like mental. There was people waiting outside the hotel. Like you couldn't walk without like big swarms coming. But your mum just yeah, couldn't believe. My mum was literally like, "What is going on?" <laughs> we got in there and she's like, "Cause she's like, I can't believe how famous you are." <laughs> I was like, "It's because they're all Bravo fans though." Like, and then on the so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, coming out of the hotel, like couldn't walk out the hotel without people like trying to get photos. They were all waiting outside. And then on the Monday morning, they were all gone. And <laughs> I was back to being normal. Back to being, back to being normal, Courtney. Normal on the street again. Well, <laughs> it was interesting for me this time. And I think I said it, didn't I, on the um, on the podcast last week? Because we went over to New York to see Matty do Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. And since 
since the 1975 got so huge yeah. and I was um, photographed quite a lot going to their gigs this year and it was yeah. all a bit of a sort of joke of spotting me at the gigs. Yeah. But this time when I went to America and again, because the crowds found out, the fans found out where he was staying and everything. Yeah. I was obviously not Matty, but I was, you know, somebody that he came out of my foo-foo. So yeah. <laughs> I was still worth getting a photograph for, you know, there's yeah. the woman who gave birth to him. So that was quite, that was quite funny um, in America. But I just want to, for people who don't know how, and I'm always fascinated as well about how you would get into something like Below Deck, because presumably you don't grow up, because how old are you now? 20? 28. 28. Yeah. Presumably you don't grow up thinking, ooh, I want to be a reality star. So what did little Courtney mm -hmm. want to do? Um, yeah, my, I mean, I've tried every job under the sun, but I think growing up in school, I was big into my dancing. So I trained in like professional dance. Um, from like the age of 11 and then after high school and sixth form I went to Lane Theatre Arts in Surrey. Which is a very very well known um, theatre school for, what's the age group that go to Lane? Um, you can go at 16 but I went at 18 but right. yeah, 16 and then you do it for three years basically. But I did the foundation course and then I was going to stay on and then it, but it's just so expensive that mm -hmm. I couldn't end up staying on. Um, so yeah I mean I should have really stuck to my dreams of being like a professional dancer at that point but Sometimes I think the competition was so high and I thought if I'm not going to be able to do finish, like graduate, um, I just kind of gave up on that dream slightly. And then I knew uh, travelling, I wanted to travel and stuff. I'd had like, I'd had like plan, like traveled plans, like written out in my scrapbooks since like 15. And so yeah, I went home, saved up and then went to Australia and just started travelling. And what were, so how old were you then when you went to Australia? Uh, 20. And what... <clears throat> what were mum and dad's thoughts of their daughter going? Did they sort of support your wanderlust? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I, th I think, well, I mean, for my 21st birthday, my mum wanted to buy me a Rolex and I was like, no, I just want travelling. I just want plane tickets. That's brilliant, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, and my mum, but my mum quite likes designer stuff and so she, it was killing her inside. She, <laughs> she wanted to buy me something that I could keep forever. I'm and not I'm like, sure about the experience. Yeah, and I'm like, no, I prefer plane tickets and, like, my first months to come or whatever, you know. It's quite cheap out there. Um, anyway, yeah, so, but they were supportive. Like, my mum loves me travelling and, like, she's so like proud of how much I've traveled and stuff um and what siblings have you got I've got an older brother Josh. an older brother yeah so he's like three four years older than me but so you went to Australia what were you doing like odd jobs or yeah random jobs working in hostels um I was a paper delivery girl um I was did you get one of those young remote. people's visa things yeah 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 so I did the visa thing which is like you get a year's working holiday um and then if you do your farm work whilst you're there on that year's working holiday then you can get another year basically um, but yeah, I was doing a lot of like promo stuff, like uh, just random promo girls, like, you know, like at horse racing events or like outside clubs and things. Um, but whilst I was there traveling that time, I went to a town called Early Beach and that's where the, it's a big like boating town. So they do these two, two nights, two day trips where you go off and you see the islands and whatever. Anyway, so ever since I left after that year, I was like, I need to, I want to go back to Early Beach and I want to work on the boat. So yeah. had you been on as a, as a passenger? As a, yeah. So you went so on went a tourist on the, trip? Yeah, I went on a tourist trip and I was like, and there was quite a lot of young people working there. And I had a, actually had a friend from my hometown out there and I was like, I want to come back to this town and I want to work on the boat. Anyway, so then like, I went home after the first year and then did some more travelling, did ski season and stuff. And then at, about two years later, I was like, right, I'm going to go back and do it. So I went back to Early Beach. So you didn't you didn't plan it. You didn't contact anyone. You just went back there. No, yeah, there. I just went back there. I had like, I made such good friends there whilst I, because I travelled through and then I went back for a little bit. Um, 
And I'd made such good friends there that I was like, I just knew that I wanted to go back. So I went there, worked on the boats there for... Did you get a job quite months. easily on the boats? Yeah, I did. It was quite hard, though, just because it's one of those things like where if, I didn't have any experience at that point on boats. And it's basically on those trips, you have the skipper, um, like the captain, the skipper, and then just you. So it was me oh. and the captain. So they're like these... It's like little catamarans or sailing yachts. So, so how many guests would you be looking after? About 16. Oh, wow. Yeah, for two days, two nights. A lot of them were obviously, like, young, like, backpackers or, you know, young couples or whatever. Um, and, yeah, so I would be helping helping the skipper get out of the marina and stuff. And then we'd get straight into our bikinis and, like, uh, swim and stuff. And then I'd do, like, a, a snorkel tour with the guests. And then I'd take them to the beach. And then we'd go to a different island. And then I'd cook for them all. Amazing. Did yeah. you do all the cooking? Yeah. How did you know how to cook for that many people? That's my idea of <laughs> I can feel a rash coming on my chest. Oh, God, yeah. There was definitely some nights where I was stressed. Um, especially because if sometimes I'd be cooking and then we'd be getting to somewhere where we were anchoring. So that I'd have to run out, like put, turn all the uh, pans and everything off, run out. So what would you... So, again, going back to the, the cooking, because I'd yeah. give up to do more than two. You've got 16 people. Yeah. And um, presumably, obviously, we'll go on to the big yachts, that their, their requirements weren't as a la carte, no doubt, as of what course. they were when, you yeah. know, on the, on, the big, on the big boats. But you still had to cook for 16 people. How did you know what to do? What did you... Well, so when I first joined, there were, we do, like, a handover trip with whoever you're taking over from or whoever's going to be your, like, swap on, swap off. And... Um, Yes, yeah, so I basically just, she just went through it all with me and I basically just had to remember what she did. So you do like two big potato bakes, you do like cheese and crackers for the first like snack thing, then you do salads, then the skipper will come down and put some meat on the barbie um, for the dinner. But yeah, for lunch and stuff, it's more like, yeah, big salads, Greek salads, um, potato bake, pastas, you know, like just stuff that you can cook in like bowls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'd just put it all out and people would go in. And, and they were all very happy with it. Yeah, they kind of knew what they were expecting when they came, like, because obviously it's, they didn't pay, like, heaps for the trip. No. Um, it was more to see the Whitsunday Islands and stuff. But, I mean, it was always, like, nice-ish food, you know? <laughs> and then what um, from, and then what from there? Yeah, and then, so I did the, did, did that for, like, six months. So that was two nights away at sea and then I'd come back have two nights at home and then two nights swap out with a girl and it was amazing because I just loved that town it was I mean a big drinking town um but great for was, a young girl it was so fun yeah it really was I made some really good friends who I still speak to now and this is like seven years ago well it was the first time I went there was seven years ago and then um yeah, so we did that for six months and then there was a couple of big super yachts that came in and out when I was working on that smaller boat. And these super yachts are massive, aren't they? I mean, yeah. they are massive, like four bedrooms. Oh, yeah, more than that. Like, well, really? yeah. So the ones on Below Deck actually are probably the smallest boats I've worked on. So oh, they're really? like 49 metres to 50 metres, the ones that I've been on Below Deck. Whereas, you know, the one I just got off in Saudi was 98 metres. <gasps> yeah, I worked on a 136 metre one once. That had How? 20 guest bedrooms and mass. 20? Yeah. So the one you were just on, mm -hmm. how much would you say that would cost to buy that? To buy? Um, millions, like, I mean, to... If they, like if, 150 million? Yeah, something like that, at least. Let me see if I can... Google it, because I only ever think about how much it would be to charter, and I'm pretty sure to charter it would be like eight hundred and fifty thousand for like a week. For a week, yeah, like a million for a week. Yeah, yeah. Let me see. Um, because when um, when I I'm just saying to the the people listening that when when they make below deck, 
the guests who come on obviously have to sign a thing saying, you know, you agree to being filmed and you can't have any control of the edit. Some of them I know would regret it, some of the episodes we've seen, but they get a massive discount, so they still have to pay because they're still getting a three, four-day cruise, but they get it for considerably um considerably cheaper yeah so the one that i was just on to buy is 150 mil oh i was right that was yeah, yeah. Year, yeah. Oh, so that was to buy um yeah it says like price 180 mil and then it says annual running cost 10 to 15 mil annual running costs and so, some of these because i met somebody recently in dubai who um was somebody i knew many many years ago who had a, a um yacht in the um in monaco and I would imagine not a dissimilar price to buy. Mm-hmm. And they had it, they obviously have to have it manned all year round, whether they're there yeah. or not. And they used it once in the year. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Some yacht owners literally will use it once. They'll use it for two weeks in, in the summer for around the bed and that's it. And in that time, they've got, depending on the size of the boat, I think that 98 metre had, what, around 48-ish crew? 48? Yeah, crew. And then obviously a lot of them are on and off at different times. Um because of rotation, so there's two captains, two chief officers, two. So what was your role on that? Were you so this on this one? I was a service stew, just because. So basically, my best friend um, came to see me in January, and then she was going back. She works on it full time, and she was in Malaga, and she was like, "Cool, so we've never worked together. I really need like a service stew just to come and help out for a bit. You've done it before. Can you come out and help me?" So I was like, "Sure, two weeks in Malaga, yeah. nice little holiday." <laughs> um, get there, and then I, towards the end of the first week, she's like, "Do you want to just stay and do that?" <laughs> Do you want to stay and do the crossing with me, like Malaga to Shamal Sheikh, basically? And I'm like, sure, go on. I was having such a good time on there because it was a really good crew. And it was just nice working with her. Like, we've never worked together. And we started yachting around the same time. And, um, yeah, and then did the crossing, which was like a week, got to got to Sham, And then she was like, do you want to... Same guests on or people were joining all the time? So, actually, for the first three weeks, we didn't have any guests on. Um, so, we were in Malaga, just did, like, the getting the boat ready. And then we did the crossing. And then we picked up the guests when we got to Sham. Um, and then it was the same guests the whole time. So it was about two weeks of two, three weeks of guests being on. And they were all guests of the owner of the boat. Yeah. So the owner was on with his girlfriend, and then his a couple of his friends and stuff who were staying on the boat. And then obviously there was a lot of like Saudi, like very high up Saudi people. A couple of movie stars came on. Yeah, a couple of movie stars <coughs> came on. That was the, yeah when we were in Jeddah they came on. Um, footballer came on. That was quite cool, but he hasn't played in a while. But still. So yeah, it was it was a really cool experience um, this time around, and obviously being at the Jeddah, like Formula One. Have you ever been to any of these? No, races? no, no, no. I went to the Cheltenham races this week. That was about oh, enough, enough, <laughs> enough for me. No, yeah, it was just so loud. Like you don't actually realize a how fast they're actually going. Like when you watch it on the TV, obviously you know they're going fast, but like just crazy. Like when we were watching it, it's quite like. They, they get, I had a bit of anxiety watching it because I was like, oh my god, if they crash now, like they're dead. Can you imagine? Why would anybody want to do that? Unbelievable. Yeah. No, um, but apparently it's like when they when they're racing, if they, it feels like they've got got like whiplash for like three days after it, or something. I heard. I just have, you know, people who are into. I mean, I don't know whether you'd call that an extreme sport. It is to me. Anything, so. anything like getting up off the settee is an extreme sport <laughs> to me these days. But I just have. I, I always say, you know, I have no adrenaline junkie in me. Yeah. But then again, um, some people have said to me, yeah, but. You know, okay, I might want to ski down a massive black slope or whatever yeah. on a on a mountain, but I couldn't get up on stage in front of, you know, I couldn't yeah. get up on stage in front of a thousand people or indeed, yeah. you know, at Michael Caine's birthday party, which I keep oh, going about. Oh my god, I can't but, this. <laughs> but when um, so when you so you done you done you done the the um 
the, the initial boat. Yeah. But lead us on to how you started yachting it to the point of getting yeah. below deck. So I left, yeah, so a couple of super yachts kept coming into the marina and I was like, I want to be on them boats. As they say, the grass is always greener. So I was on these smaller boats looking at these super yachts thinking, I want to wear the uniform. I want to be on these big super yachts. And then um, I obviously had to leave Australia just because my visa was coming to an end. So I was like, right, I'm going to go home. I'd already got my all my safety offshore stuff and I was like, I'm going to go home and then just go to the south of France and just find a job. So I went home for two weeks and then, yeah, I went to the south of France and just walked around. Just, is that what you did? Just on, on your own? Yeah. Just... In Antibes, in south of France, so it's quite a big yachty, like, hotspot. And um, I went there, went into a few um, recruitment agencies, stayed in, like, a yachty crew house kind of thing, which is, like, a hostel for people looking for work. And then, um, yeah, walked around. You've got to, like, really network whilst you're there because most people that are out usually work on a boat there. And then, yeah, started day working, um, where you just obviously go to the boat and work for the day. And then did that, like, on a different couple of boats for a couple of weeks. And then I actually got a job as a nanny for my first boat, um, oh, right, yeah, I think I remember you doing yeah, that. Yeah, a little small boat for some Saudi, like a Saudi guy, actually. So, yeah, I did that, and then, um, yeah, I did that for a couple of weeks, and they wanted to extend me, so I worked in their can like, ma- mansion for a while. And then, yeah, in the September, I got my first job on a 72-metre um, as a stewardess. Um, so did you start as a third stew? Uh, well, I was starting as just a junior stew. So on the boat that I first joined, there was five stews. So I was like junior. Because so. on below deck, there's normally the third, second and first. Yeah, no, you just... there's all this hierarchy thing of yeah. who gets to be second but, yeah. third. <laughs> no, yeah, they do have that. But obviously, if the boat's bigger than like 50 metres, then they need more than three stews. So on like that first boat that I joined, you have a first stew, well, chief stew, second stew, third stew, and then like two junior stews. So, so when you said on the other boat, you were a service to that would be that you were mainly helping them basically yeah. serve everything were you doing the drinks and yeah, yeah. so yeah anything past like an 80 meter yacht you actually have a full housekeeping team and a full service team so you've got like four four service stewardesses and four housekeeping stewardesses like different teams so yeah and what are the people like to you do you have a because obviously watching the show and being obsessed about the show yeah you see some guests who are just lovely people mm-hmm. having a lovely time they might get a bit drunk at night wherever they're having a great time and then you see some people who are the assholes of the world yeah and i hope as somebody that used to drink a lot that i was never as awful as some of them are yeah and obviously it's so drunk they forget they're going to be on television yeah but some of them are horrendous to the staff aren't yeah they? no yeah definitely i think uh, honestly in in <laughs> it's just as bad in real life like yachting real life yachting um it is just as bad. Like it's, it depends. I mean, guests don't even have to be drunk. Like, because obviously they're they're paying a lot more money for these charters sometimes, or like if they own the yacht, then they're paying a salary. So you're basically invisible to them most of the time. And then if they are mad about something, they'll just completely like shred you, shred you to bits. Like, yeah, we had a on one boat I went on. The the guests wanted to leave for the airport earlier than expected. So we had to wait up, wake up, like, the head of service, head of house, whatever. And, um, yeah, she went upstairs and, like, the first thing that happened, he, like, screamed in her face because she hadn't packed one thing in his case. And I'm just like, it's actually... And I guess you can't <laughs> really say anything. Oh, no, you just have to be like, yeah, sorry, sorry. My, my fault. There must be times that you wanted to punch people in the face, then. Oh, yeah. of course. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, I think you see it. It's, it is good, like, Below Deck's good for that because you do actually see what we, like, this the shit that you can get from yeah. doing it. Um, yeah, obviously, it's really hard to bite your tongue sometimes. But you see how hard work it is, Courtney. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, it's really hard. It's the hardest I've ever worked in my life, being in your thing. Like, it really is. Obviously, there's big perks to it. Like, 
you know, for the event that we were just at and places you get to go to and when there's no guests on board you can get off in these amazing places but the actual work that you put in the hours that you work in and so below deck what, t- t- tell me how you ended up being um on television because that that's yeah. what i think is is fascinating yeah was it a series that had been on that you had seen or so funnily enough below deck was known as the career ender fiotis when the career ender yeah because for some reason everyone that kept going on it at that point were just a bit really bad at their job or like I don't know but it was known as the career ender so, when so I, if you got fired on television yeah you would you'd really struggle to you were persona non grata in the, yeah. in the in in the yachting world and yeah. also I know I'm, I'm butting in here no no it's okay but the thing about the reality world that I think a lot of people don't understand is is that you do you do a, a, you know you're doing your normal job yeah. unlike say Love Island where you all go in yeah. to, a, to a show you're actually doing your normal job which is then filmed yeah so sometimes when you come out of that you're you're too well known to do certain things but then you haven't you're not qualified for anything else yeah no of course yeah so it's yeah that's so it can work both ways it, can't it definitely the career ender that's really interesting yeah so, so that's what well, you'd heard about well, it. yeah yes that's what i'd heard about it. i hadn't watched it i wasn't going to do it and then uh, i was <laughs> i was really i had a boyfriend well i had a seeing this guy in on my boat and we ended up breaking up and it was just like oh shit he was on the crew i hate yachting yeah he was on the crew and i was like i hate yachting i'm just gonna do below deck because like I've I never I never thought of reality TV, but I always kind of wanted to you know be in some sort of performing or on television. Or... Were they constantly putting uh, they... feelers out as to who was interested? So yeah, so like the casting director messages like anyone that tags yachting basically on Instagram, they'll message and be like, "Hi, would you be interested in auditioning or whatever?" So she messaged and I kept ignoring it, and then uh, yeah, one day I just replied saying, "Next time you're next time you're casting, I'll be interested to like hear more about it." Then a month or so later, she contacted me, and then I had about five or six uh, Skype calls with like the producers in LA and stuff, which was mad. It was like eleven producers on this on this uh, Zoom wow. Zoom call, but I couldn't see them, but they could see me. Oh my! And I'm God. like in the I'm in the I'm in the window of like my uh, of my cabin because this was when I was on the bigger boat. So I'm in this ta- like this sat in the window of my cabin in the, in the porthole which is like the little window that we've got I'm um, trying to do this like interview on zoom and yeah it was just mental anyway so then uh, yeah after about five or six auditions they ended up getting back to me and about very close to when we were going to be start filming so I had kind of forgotten about it and they were like just so you know you're kind of in the final final pick and then they were like hey yeah you've got it if you want it so then I was like, oh my God, that's when it was like, this is, now it's real. What were all your friends saying to you? Were they don't encouraging? They were saying, don't do it. Yeah. So any friends that were in yachting were saying, don't do it. Because if you make, if you do shit, then you're never going to get a job in yachting again. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do shit because I'm not that. Because like, I'm, like, I'm not shit. Yeah. And I know that I wouldn't do shit, especially if there's pressure on to not do. Do you know what I mean? Um, like I knew I was going to go on there and work like my ass off just to make sure that I don't, like, don't suffer getting a job after it. But like my mum's, like my mum's friends and like a couple of my best friends, they were like, "Course, oh, you know, like, are you sure you like?" Because obviously, if you do get a lot of followers, obviously around this, I mean, Instagram's always been quite um, brutal. Um, yes, not as brutal as Twitter, but nevertheless. No, yeah. So they, I think they were, they were all just worried. They were just worried about you. Yeah, they were like, if you come out of it with loads of followers, like, is it? You know, I've always like kind of not struggled with mental health, but like you know, like insecurities and things. Yeah. So they were like. And it sure. can, it, they, it, people can big you up on Instagram exactly. and they can absolutely pull you down. Yeah, so I think my family and stuff were all just a bit worried that I was going to come out like, and I was going to get all these followers and then it was going to just make my, like, you know, Because people, because we've seen it all in Love Island, they can yeah. eat you up and spit you out. Oh, of course, yeah. So, yeah, my, everyone was just a bit 
a bit apprehensive and like I come from a very small town in North Wales so like nobody's done anything like it before um, and obviously when the trailer came out oh my god was it like <laughs> mad in North Wales <laughs> yeah but obviously on the trailer they used all of the bits where like we were because it was we were all got so drunk on that season. because you did appear to like a drink Courtney oh. Beale if I may <laughs> if I may say I know and like I don't know why I did it because I hardly drank tequila before that because I drank before but below deck season six I drank tequila once on holiday with my friend when we were but suddenly you became tequila Courtney yeah literally and but that also, we were getting tequila sent to the table before starters, after starters, after mains, after dessert. So obviously I'm going to be smashed. And I just like to, I like partying, I like dancing. You like partying, you like dancing, you yeah. like twerking yeah, a lot. Twerking a lot. The twerking <laughs> became, and in the show, um, I'll try and get some, uh, be, but when I'm sort of uh, promoting this um, episode, I'll try and get some clips of Courtney twerking. <laughs> and her friend on there was this gorgeous guy called Z, yeah. wasn't he? And he was just somebody that we all just, all of us viewers just took to our hearts. Just the sweetest guy that you just didn't want any harm to come to him. And I, I think what made me fall in love with with with, with you as a reality yeah. person I was watching was your relationship with Z. Yeah. Because you did have a couple of snogs when you were hammered. <laughs> we you were always the go-to snog people of each other, weren't you? Or the go the go-to yeah. hot tub snoggers. Yeah, we were. We did have a couple of snogs. That was what they had But to nothing, do. but in the light of day, nothing that you ever felt, both of you. I think he would have yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I think he never admitted it to me. Um but I think he definitely actually felt feels whereas I didn't. I saw him as like a best friend and um, a snog buddy. A, yeah, a snog yeah. buddy, but it literally it was when I was absolutely smashed. And I just, sometimes I couldn't remember it. Like, it was just the anxiety after it, like getting oh God, that hang, drunk on anxiety. TV. Yeah, anxiety. Yeah, I mean, getting that, drunk on, getting that drunk on TV. Yeah, and obviously with Below Deck, we film it and it doesn't come out for, we film it in the September and it doesn't get released until July, the year after. So there was nights that I did not have any recollection of. And, and then you've got to watch it all. Think, yeah, so I've got to watch it all. But obviously for that whole time in between it, I'm thinking, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And the other thing is... Is something that I don't know that I did? Yeah. Like, you know? And, of course, you know, there'd be a, a lot of people would be as drunk as you and they wouldn't be able to tell you. Yeah. I think as well. I know we always hear, oh, I, it's not my fault. It, it was the edit. And to a degree, that, that can be true. Sometimes the answer would be, and I'm somebody who's fallen victim to it, is don't misbehave mm -hmm. and there will be no edit. Yeah. The other thing is, I, I didn't say that. Well, you did say it because it's on the, it's on the television. Yeah. But the way that they can sort of pull bits of the, I'm doing all the actions, you can't see me, <laughs> pull bits of the series out yeah. and push the other bits together, they can decide who they portray in certain oh, ways. Yeah, definitely. And I know there's um there's somebody else who I'm hoping to talk to when I go to LA. So I won't say too much about her story, but Natasha, who was one of your colleagues, I think she fell victim to a lot of a lot of editing issues. Yeah. Um and so I'm looking forward to hearing her story because yeah, um, she sort of got a lot of a lot of bad press out, out of it. What was what was the press side of things that did you deal with because it would have been the first time yeah um yeah I mean the, the press side wasn't too bad I was working at the time so I obviously was doing like some press interviews here and there and like obviously seeing your name and like people knowing things about you and different things I don't know it was it, it was it was strange but I'm I think I felt I was quite fortunate and I didn't really have that too much bad stuff and just explain to me about the um because this is all the stuff I love as well because obviously we don't see 
the crew. Mm. We occasionally see a cameraman. We occasionally see a reflection of a cameraman. So we're all aware that you're all being filmed, yes. but you have a fourth wall, so you don't talk directly to the camera. Yeah. I've seen it happen on very rare occasions. And of course, famously, we saw a cameraman when he jumped in to save the guy. Do you remember who's nearly lost his foot? Oh, yeah. I can't yeah. remember his name, but there was one crew guy on it on, on, on one of the series. And um something happened got wrapped his foot or got right yeah he he jumped into doing a sort of anchor pull or something and it wrapped around his foot and um had the cameraman not literally dropped his camera and jumped in he said he would have he would have lost his foot yeah so definitely. that that was a, 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 and and it was nice when they re reunited on the on the reunion show and, and, yeah. and seeing that so how how many crew members would there be usually in your surrounds Oh, um, like camera crew. Yeah, camera yeah, crew. Camera crew. So there was probably about eight, eight on a day, and then there's a whole team. So eight walking around the boats usually. So there's like a camera guy with a, with a audio guy behind him or her, and so there was about yeah three or four sets of them on the boat because they'd obviously have to follow yeah. people around. Then there was a whole room that they just fully ripped out and put all, like, the, the cameras in there. Like, like the video whole... village where they were yeah, watching so the Yeah, there's a whole team in there, probably about five or six, uh, and then probably a couple of producers on at the same time as well. So when we're on Below Deck, they have... Uh, we're on our yacht, and then there's a chase boat that follows, um, like a smaller yacht, and then there's so basically... So that's where they will sleep? No, they won't sleep there, because we never go that too far away from the marina so you know so, you always go back well we don't always go back but they would so they'd be on there basically they'd take breaks they'd take turns in coming on they'd have their lunch on there and then like whilst other people are on and then blah 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 they'd have their shifts and then they basically have to stay until the guests go to sleep or well whenever the kinds of yeah you know when it gets boring um and then they'll go back to the boat and then they'll get transferred back to shore and then in the morning they come back at about five or six a.m. depending on like the guests. And how how soon was it? Because I think I think as an actor, and it's something that 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 I've talked to with actors before. Who, mm. um, I mean, listen, as an as an actress, I should be against reality television because I always think oh, it takes away from you know things that I could be giving my wonderful performances and everything. But of course, I'm obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's just because it's it's kind of often more interesting watching people's real lives. But what I'm always fascinated by is how, say, for example, somebody like you, not really somebody like you because you've you've been a dancer, but just say another person yeah. who's only ever done yachting before. They've never yeah. had any interest in show business yeah. and inverted commas before. And you suddenly are living your lives with three, four, five camera people around. How they never seem to be affected by it. And they never seem to be looking out of place or yeah. or or awkward or I think yeah it's really weird because the first person that comes to my mind is Storm you know so Storm was my colleague he was the he became the bosun on my yes season Storm seven. who was going out with uh, Natalia Natalia yeah yeah so Storm he's a very good example of that like he's never done anything with like tv show business anything like he's just a yachty through and through South like, African guy South African yeah. yeah and he is only he just only wants a career in yachting he didn't really want any of the fame from it and um so I was a bit like what are you doing <laughs> like surely this yeah. is gonna be mental for you 
But honestly, like, I think it's weird for the first two days. And then After because that, you're you doing just get your job, you literally, like, you can't, you can't care about it because you're usually running around rushing. So when you, do, when you say you're doing your job, so obviously we all know, you know, that when, when you make television, mm-hmm. you, you often are doing your job, but you are also in a TV production. Yeah. So say, for example, because I see how busy you guys as stews are. I mean, it's, it's endless until you go to bed. And sometimes the lack of sleep, because it'll... It'll for those who don't watch it, it'll it'll ping up, you know, that first guest goes to bed at midnight, but then you've got the drunken guests who are up till two, three, four, and the stews have got to or at least one of them mm-hmm. has got to stay up and serve them drinks yeah. till they collapse, to be honest. Then that stew might have to be up at six o'clock in the morning again and get two hours uh, get two hours sleep. But if you're running about on service yeah. and those those guests, this is an example, those guests are demanding their dinner and maybe it's running a little bit late because mm-hmm. the chefs have not quite got it together in time. And the the crew can't say to you, Courtney, just go and pick up that plate again, can you? Or can they do that? Because you've got the the real paying guests saying, we want our dinner. Yeah. Um, Not so much with things like that. They they really, they don't really get involved with anything like that. Like, they wouldn't be like, no, you have to redo that. And like, they'll just be there following you. They'll just be there following us the whole time. There, There was occasions where, like, if they missed a guest coming up and it's like, Say they didn't realise that a guest was about to come up and scream at one of us, so there was no camera crew there. Like, because I could be stood on my own in a in a pantry, and obviously they're not going to just be filming me stood on my own in a pantry. And then, like, if a guest barges in and just screams at me about something, they've missed it on the camera. So the only time that they've only ever so like that's it, it's only ever felt kind of produced in that sense is because they they'll be they'll come in and they'll be like, I'm really sorry, but we've got to get the guest to come in and do that again because otherwise. Oh, so then the guest has make, to sort of act then in yeah, a way. Yeah, it doesn't make sense for the storyline, which is completely understandable. But, and it's not like they're telling the guest to say anything different. They're just like, you just have to redo it. Like, But it never looks so, It never looks like that. Yeah, and that was only on a very odd occasion. You know, mm. they're, they're, they've been doing it for years now. You know, Below Deck Normal's got like, what, 11 seasons? Yeah. Below Med's got seven, so. Were the, um, were the guests ever mortified by their behaviour and <laughs> asked to be taken out of it? But that presumably they have to sign a thing saying, yeah, you sign up for this. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I reckon they're definitely mortified, some of them. But I mean, it's the same such for as as crew, you know. Like there was definitely nights where I was like, why have I done that? Like, I've... you were never offensive though, Courtney. I think no, there were so many. There were so many characters over the years that I've watched it yeah. on Blow Deck, Blow Deck Med, Blow Deck, whatever. Yeah. And some of some people are just mean drunks. Yeah. They're actually mean non-drunks, yeah. but they're particularly mean, nasty, drunk, bitchy. Yeah. Bitchy girls and bitchy boys. Yeah. You know, you were never like that. You were just hammered and yeah. very funny. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, yeah, with the guests who do become a bit more, like, uh, aggressive or whatever, they definitely are embarrassed. To be honest, I think it's their families that are more embarrassed for them. I bet. Um, like, you know, like the wives or, like, uh, yeah. uh, the siblings. Or kids. Yeah, kids. There's definitely, you can definitely see them all a bit pissed off the next day. Or... What, um, what are the rules? I, I know what the general rule is, mm-hmm. but... What are the rules of a crew member falling for slash dating slash shagging a guest. paying guest? Um, usually it's a big no-no in Yossing, but there's a lot of no-nos in Yossing that still happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, it depends how good they are at keeping it a secret, I guess. But, like, if the guests are on board, like, on a, if you weren't on below deck and a guest was on the boat and you started sleeping with them or, like, even texting or anything and the captain found out, or usually it's not really the, like, the issue is, is if what, one of those guests mention it, like, joke about it, or mention it to the owner, whoever's on there with you, or like, with them, and then the owner's pissed off because that's their staff member, and yeah. then it's like, yeah, 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 then it's like the staff member's, like, 
distracting yeah. his guest. I don't yeah. know. That's when it would be a would be an issue, I think. Obviously, when you, you it, it's a big no no, you're not meant to date the guests. Um, but it's definitely happened in the past. Like I know of like quite famous people. Like I've got mutual friends that have slept with very famous actors and stuff when they've been on and drunk and whatever. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because you know, some people do use going on a yacht as a bit of an escape and from reality. Well, yeah, and also they're in the middle of the ocean, so it's probably the one time that they don't have press surrounding that, like perhaps surrounding them, and just best not to do it on so... the below deck episode rather than <laughs> yeah. just do it. Like, definitely, but, yeah. if you're going to do it, I would definitely do it when there's not eight cameras surrounding the boat and the cam- a boat a camera in every. Cabin. And what's the and what's the um, what's the plans for for you? Um, now, as regards below, I mean, obviously, you've just been on a real life, not filmed yacht thing. Like you mm-hmm. said, your friend asked you to go and you've had a really good time. Yeah. And now now you're back. What do you think are your plans or have you not got any? Um, I mean, I've obviously got plans to do like some more temp yachting stuff. Um, I'm going to always keep that around. What about dancing, acting? Yeah, I do want to get back. In, I really, I, that is my main goal of this year is to try and get back into some sort of performing. Um my me and my agency are kind of trying to do some digging to try and find out how I can kind of get back into it. I might even just go back to I started going back to some dance classes again, like just yeah. to try and dip my toe. Oh, I know what you did, and I was away, um, but you did a show called The Challenge. Uh, yeah, the right. Challenge. Now I haven't seen the challenge, okay? So you've just got to tell me what it was like yeah. and what's been has it finished now? Yeah. So yeah. What's been the reaction to it? I mean yeah, yeah, it's been a good reaction. It was two weeks of filming in Argentina and it was basically a physical challenge every other day. And then if you lost that physical challenge, um, you would be in an elimination round. And it was so hard, like the stuff that we were doing, like the first... Did you know how hard it was going to be when they asked you? No. <laughs> so my, I think I was like, I was quite a last minute person they added on to it and I never even watched it. And then I was on the flight there and I was watching the Challenge US and oh my... It, Did you think, what the... What am I doing? Yeah, like what? Who else was in it? Who would we know? So James Locke from Towie. Yes. Um, Ella Ray Wise from Towie. Tristan Phipps from Made in Chelsea. Um, Kaz Crossley from Love Island. Yeah. Uh, she went to jail recently in Dubai. She did. Yeah. Shame. I saw that. I was tell you what. She was very lucky. So, yes. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, yes, she was filmed doing something drug related in a room, but whoever filmed her in a private party situation yeah and release that what an absolute c-u-n-t to do such a thing i know that's isn't what, it yeah that's especially when you know that's not you know it's bad enough doing it anywhere yeah but to do it in a country like dubai where they know that they would well, they know you know what the laws are yeah over there yeah it is. and just the thought of spending i think it was a couple of nights before they managed to get her out yeah i mean that was just terrifying i know i think yeah she, i think she went in and i think she got arrested on like the monday and detained and she was in there till the friday maybe thursday or friday so yeah absolutely well we spoke to her after because we had a group chat from oh, you the spoke? challenge um so we were all messaging like oh my god like because what did she say figure out. she said like thanks everyone for, like she was just to be honest like, she was overwhelmed like um by it all she i think she handled it very well you know um, what she's said especially because it had obviously yeah. happened some time ago and then she and was trying to go into Abu Dhabi or something wasn't she she was trying to go no she was she wouldn't to... have maybe even known that that photograph existed no she didn't even, yeah she didn't know that she was like wanted in Dubai she was trying to get to her because she does a lot of um like building like schools and stuff in I think it's in Thailand maybe does she yeah and she's all, all that she was going over back there to see all these kids and stuff that she'd built these schools for and things and it was on her way there that she there was a stopover in Dubai. 
So uh, yeah, oh, they she, got her in Dubai on the stopover. Yeah. Fuck. So she was literally in the airport just on a stopover, and um, and yeah, next minute they. There's fear. Oh my god! Don't add that you know when fear. you watch when you watch banged up abroad yeah. and, and programs like that. The fear would I would yeah I get scared enough going through like you know when you're in America yes and it's like high security I get so scared I'm thinking oh god have I done anything oh like my god Lincoln's like that when we go through a passport control I go what's the matter with your face we haven't done anything we're not criminals but when they say to me because I had no one visa for a time and they go to are you on an Esther or no one and I know I'm on the Esther and I go Esther but it's like. It wouldn't even matter really which one I was travelling on. But you go, and also those passport people are obviously trained in sometimes being as horrible as, as feasibly possible yeah. in their face. Yeah, no, definitely. So you feel terrified. So, so okay, you've got James Locke, you've got this, you've got um, Kaz Crosley, you've got you. Who else? Um, Kaz, I don't know, Kaz Kwame, I think I used to right. say her name. Uh, she was also in Love Island. Um, Marcel Somerville from Blazing. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, he was. Um, I'd say him and Tristan were probably like my closest people in there. Like, so did you make some nice pals? Yeah, I did. It was a really. It was. It was honestly quite a hard experience. Like for me, I think I had imposter syndrome when I was there when I first got there. And people that say that is not a real thing. Oh my god! Like it really. Like I know it's a real thing. Nights it really stopped me from let fully like kind of. And isn't it funny again. because those people that you've mentioned to me, mm -hmm. apart from Marcel were were all reality people. Yeah, they were reality. So why did so why did you as a reality person feel that you had imposter syndrome? Yeah, I don't know. I think because below deck isn't as big big in the UK and they were all quite very big I see. UK reality I see. Stars. Yeah, I think I see. I think like obviously that's we were like um, in quarantine in our hotel rooms for like four nights prior. But we'd obviously I see people in the gym and stuff and like I don't know. I obviously knew who they were because I was, and you know, there was people from Geordie Shore and things, and like I knew who all these people were. But I just, in my mind, I'm just thinking, oh, nobody knows who I am. Like they were all friends. Well, a lot of them had been on like, oh yeah, but that's really X on the beach and stuff. They'd all been on that thing, those things together. They all they had filmed. There's nothing worse, and I wouldn't call it imposter syndrome because I didn't feel like it. But when I was, and I was in my late thirties then when I did Coronation Street. Yeah. Now I'd been in several other series. I'd been in Spender. I'd been in Soldier Soldier and whatever. So. Um, it wasn't like, oh, I'm scared I'm going to a series. But going into Coronation Street at the time I went in, there was like 23 million people an episode watched it. Yeah. That's now incomprehensible to any of us, no yeah. matter what level we are. Yeah. Because those viewers, those figures don't happen mm -hmm. because we have so many different channels, yeah. unless it becomes a Bridgerton Netflix sensation, yeah, you know? And, um, you know, so, so I... And I would honestly say that the first three, four months of Coronation Street were the only time I've ever been lonely in my life. Yeah. I've been alone. I like being alone. Yeah. Alone and lonely, as we know, are two completely different things. Yeah. You choose to be alone sometimes. Yeah. And I love nothing more than my alone time when I choose it. But I honestly felt lonely. And it wasn't that people deliberately made me feel that way. It was mm -hmm. the fact that nobody then lived anywhere other than Manchester yeah. or Cheshire. Um, they all had been there for what I felt was 100 years. Yeah. I was looking around at these iconic people, like, you know, Liz Dawn, who played Vera, and Bill Tommy, who played Jack, and yeah. Bill Roach, who was Ken Barlow, and, you know, and, and Betty, who was Beth. And I'm thinking, I've watched these people since I was six years old, yeah. but nobody at night ever said to me, because I was living in, in a flat, because right. I was only going to be there for three months, and no one ever said... Um, do you want to go out for a drink or yeah. do you want to come for dinner? Everybody just, it wasn't a nine to five, it was a seven to seven. But everybody kind of almost clocked out and went home. Yeah. And I remember thinking, I just, I don't feel like I belong. Yeah. Um, 
And and also, I also felt that because I was an actress who'd had a career before, a couple of people made sort of snippy comments at me. Mm. And I just felt so vulnerable, Courtney, and I'd never felt vulnerable, a bit shy. And as I say, maybe not imposter syndrome, but just I felt like I'd it wasn't the right place for me. Yeah. And I remember, and I always feel so sorry for myself when I think of this. There was a, there was a hotel called the v the Victorian Albert, and it was where, you know, ultimately when obviously I found my feet, we all used to party all the time. And, yeah. And it was where I used to stay sometimes and, you know, and it was, it, it was the v And I remember one night I was so lonely because at the time I was married to the boy's dad to Tim and Matthew was about nine, but they were still in the Northeast. Yeah. And I was working or lots of the weekends as well. Yeah. And um, and I remember being so lonely that I walked down... Oh, my God, it makes me cringe now. I walked down to the hotel, right? Now, I wasn't very well known. I was known enough for people to go, hang on a minute, have I, have I seen you on that soldier? soldier? Not, like, not like Coronation Street yeah. fame it became. But I sat there with a glass of red wine and... Um, probably not even mobile phone then. It wouldn't have been, we didn't have mobile phones, probably a newspaper or something, pretending that I was waiting for someone. Yeah. And when I think of the cringe of that now, Mm. and if people said to me, hi, are you okay? Can I buy it? I'd go, oh, it's no, it's okay. I'm just waiting for someone. Thank you. Hoping that someone I knew would come in. Yeah. You know? Oh my God. And I I just think now, oh my God, what a saddo. But I've never, luckily, before or since, I've never been. So I can only sort of, it's like you're trying to be friends with people and they're not letting you in the gang. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Like, obviously, like, everything you just said is I've experienced and, like, I think going to, like, obviously, I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. It was just it's very different. You know, like, I can get on a bow and I've got a lot of experience of get, walking onto a yacht, whether it's being filmed or not, and having to make friends with all the crew. Yeah. And I think, like... I've and you never, feel on a level with everybody there. Yeah, yeah. I feel like in this situation, obviously, going into that house, because we were all in a house together for two weeks, I've never been around so many big personalities and so many like people who are so pros at the whole reality TV and, thing. But a lot of them will probably have developed that big personality as a result of feeling like you did. Yeah, and but it was just weird. Like I just yeah, as you say, like I felt like I wasn't meant to be there. Like I felt like I for the first time I'm a, I see myself as quite like a good people person and I usually get on with everyone and like it wasn't I wasn't getting on with people. But it I just saps you of your personality. Yeah, sometimes. I felt like I had no personality and I was like. Uh, yeah, I think, and then obviously the more you start stressing about that, the more, the worse it gets in a way, because you're not really relaxing. When I did Yakety Yak, a musical, I was 23 in the West End, and I'm not, I'm not a singer, I'm an actress who can hold a tune, I can sing, yeah. or when it's a, when it's a character song, like when I did a few years ago, Calendar Girls, the musical, yeah. I played Celia, who had a boob stand and everything, like yeah. a comedy character, and, and the song was great, but it was very much a character song, I'm yeah. not going to go up for a Vita or one of these massive yeah. big roles, and I did a musical, so, so I was saying I hadn't had imposter syndrome, but I think I did, so I was 23, I'd replaced someone when it had been sort of um, on a, in a fringe theatre in, in London and then it went into the West End. I had nine days to rehearse in mm-hmm. and they were all musical theatre actors. Right, yeah. And I was sort of sort of holding my own, but I, I couldn't be funny or I couldn't have... Whenever I was in a room with them, yeah. I just felt like I'd taken a no-personality pill. Yeah. I felt like there was a bottle of no-personality yeah. pills and I just thought, oh, I'll have a couple of those before the start of the day. Yeah. And I kept thinking, 
I'm quite a funny, gregarious person. I want them to see that side of me. Yeah. But instead, I'm just this pathetic girl in lycra trousers. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I'm now still friends with a couple of them. Yeah. You know, a band called Darts was in that. You won't remember, you weren't even born. And um, and and uh, the, the former Gan brothers who've all gone on to do great things as, yeah. as as actors. And we still laugh about those days. But it is that, it's a horrible feeling, isn't it? Insecurity. It really yeah, it really is. Because like, I'm, same as you, I feel like, I've got a quite a big personality. Like when I'm when I'm comfortable with people, like people are always like laughing and like, it's just always quite fun, positive, like chappy I don't know conversation and then yeah in that in that situation I was just how did you do in the show then zapped. um so I came third which you was, came third yeah so I was in uh yeah so basically we were there for two weeks and they managed to somehow squeeze it into five episodes and um yeah so I was in every episode made it till the end and then was in the final who won um Tristan Phipps and Kaz Crossley <laughs> you were third yeah came third so a guy are you proper fit then well i think i'm just i think i'm very competitive <laughs> like i think i definitely wasn't as fit as some people on there um but you weren't going to show it i wasn't yeah, <laughs> going to show it and i knew that i was like i knew that they thought i was going to go out first definitely but i think that was because i was i, I was acting so shy and like I honestly think people thought, oh, yeah, she'll probably go up first just because she doesn't really have it in her. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And then, so I think then when I did, I, I went into the first elimination round because we were, we came like second to last or whatever in the first, first uh, trial. And, um, and then I think after that, everyone kind of saw this other side of me because they were like, oh, maybe she has got a bit of like fight in her. And we were, me and, it was me and Curtis. Um, Curtis Pritchard? Yeah. God, he gets everywhere he does. Yeah, him and AJ were in it. Yeah, so me and him were on the first elimination together and we smashed it. And I think after that they were like, okay, maybe she will. But I was definitely... Did Curtis and AJ talk about their Hollyoaks foray at all? Um, No, I mean, they they mentioned that they... I'd obviously done it. Interesting, but... yeah, it went viral. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. House Trish. Yeah. House yeah. Trish. House Trish. Because, bless their hearts... Robert De Niro and Al Pacino don't have to panic very much, yeah. you know, and it was quite funny. But if you're going to go into something 
and not be the greatest actors in the world. At least do it like they did and go viral. Yeah. And of course, one of the lines that they said badly was How's Trish, which yeah, was my character. <laughs> and then there was bloody bags and cups that I've got three cups with How's Trish on that my friends oh bought my me in God, bags. Oh my God, it was absolutely, it wasn't so hilarious at the time, but it yeah. was, it was, it was hilarious how it all sort of played out. Now, yeah. you sort of touched on, and this is not a mental health podcast, but yeah. you know that I talk about my own mental health struggles and stuff. Yeah. How are you doing? When you say that you've had mental health issues in the past, what have they been? How have they sort yeah. of manifested in you? Um, so I don't know. It's not so much. Uh, I don't know how to word it. I think I've always struggled with um, like body dysmorphia. Um, that's probably been my main thing. Um, you know, even though it doesn't matter how many times people tell you you're gorgeous, no, yeah, you're no. not seeing it. Yeah, like I think I'm. I'm slowly like entering this new phase. I think which I'm feeling way better at the moment. And but yeah, for years I just really struggled with it. I think, and then obviously. Traveling, I was traveling so much and working away. Every time I came home, my dad's obviously sickness deteriorate, like health. So your dad has Alzheimer's, and your dad is how old? He is sixty-three now, um, which is a year younger than me. Yeah, he got diagnosed at well, properly diagnosed, I think, at fifty-eight or fifty-nine. But obviously, I had been working away, and I was still working away after he got diagnosed. And I think I didn't want to focus on that, so I know that my mental health, like. Every, like body dysmorphia like eating disorders and things like that definitely got worse during that time I think I didn't want to even think about I didn't want to focus on that on like my dad getting being sick and how did it start to manifest you just sort of saw him gradually decline yeah um so yeah we started to see like him decline and we started to see him getting more and more confused or like agitated or frustrated and stuff and had he always been quite an outgoing dad yeah Super outgoing. He worked offshore on the oil rigs every month on, month off for my whole life. Um, so I think that's why I'm also used to being away and working offshore and stuff. Um, he worked on the oil rigs. And, yeah, both of my nanas passed away when I was 18. And it was ever since then, really, that things just kind of deteriorated. I think the stress... Was Alzheimer's in the family? No. No. But I think, apparently, we think it's from, like, the toxins and fumes and stuff from being on oil rigs. Of course. But, um, yeah, it was weird. Yeah, so I think him losing his mum, my nana, like, really hit him hard and just yeah I think it just it kind of started then and so then he had a bit of issues getting a job again after that and things and doctors how did dad himself was he aware when he got diagnosed I mean was he lucid enough to to understand his diagnosis yes and no like he had a he obviously was I think when he first when they first said it he knew and he was upset remember remember like crying whatever and then but then the next day he'd forgotten so it was kind of already at that stage. And how's mum dealt with it all? Mum is like a superwoman. She's doing much better now because obviously... So my dad went into a care home, not the June, just not last June, June before. Is dad aware of who you are? No. Dad can't speak or talk or move or eat or anything. Oh, cool. It's so fucking heartbreaking. Yeah, so it's hard. Um... <laughs> no, please. It's just, I think it's amazing that you talk about it because... You know, I've got two friends who are dealing with their partners who yeah. um, have, I would call it early onset yeah. as well. And I think it's so important for people to talk about it and for people to hear because it makes them feel, anybody listening to this now will make them know that they're not the only person in, in the world. Yeah, definitely. I think even me speaking about it on Below Deck um, and being upset about it because I'm quite an open person. Mm. And, like, the amount of messages I got being, like, thank you so much for speaking about it, like, because I never even heard of somebody having it. 
Well, because you always thought of it was somebody who was much, much older. Yeah, you always see it as like grandparents. Yeah. Um, you're like, my grandma was 66, but you see, when I was 15, that was old. Yeah. But, um, sorry, just... Um, <laughs> Um, I'm in the flat in London, everybody. I'm not trying to buy me tissue. She's trying to buy me tissue now. Oh, my God. It was fine. Here we go. Here's some cake. Here's some cake. Going to an event after this. I'm going to... Yeah, we're both going to events, isn't it? I could literally talk all day. There you go. Thank you. No, I think... Yeah, no, I'm happy speaking about it. Like, And I just think, yeah, as you say, if that helps anyone who's going through it at the same time or, like, who hasn't heard of it happening to someone so young... Like, my dad was the first time I'd ever heard of it, someone who was in their 20s, like, with a parent been, that's been diagnosed with it. Um, before that, I'd only ever heard of grandparents having yeah. it. So, like, I think I think that's another reason why I didn't know how quickly it was going to deteriorate. Like, we kind of knew it was becoming dementia for a good two, three years. And then when they actually diagnosed it as early on to Alzheimer's, I kind of thought it was going to carry on the same for at least another five, six years. And within two years, he was... Going into a care home. You see, I, I didn't know until until a friend of mine's been... Obviously, I've had several people that I've known been affected by it. Mm. But there are apparently about 72 different forms yeah. of dementia. Alzheimer's mm. being one. Yeah. Then, of course, aphasia we have with um, with Bruce Willis. Yeah. You know, now. Yeah, and and again, no, I, I know someone who, who who is affected by that. And that is not actually affecting, as yet, someone in their 60s. The memory so much, it's affecting them the moods and the personality. Yeah. So the the lady I know who's living with this partner, um, that's what their struggle is. Yeah. That it's like I'm having to be patient here. Yeah. Because I know that you're poorly. Yeah. But it's really hard. And again, we we we've never we never cared or protected the people caring for people with physical disabilities and physical illnesses. And we certainly don't care for those dealing with, with people with things like Alzheimer's and dementia because yeah. to be the partner and, you know, to have to... You do, you mourn the death of that person yeah. when they're still alive, don't you? Yeah, definitely. I think we were... Yeah, we were definitely... We've been obviously mourning my dad for a, quite a long time now. Um, and I think it was, as you say, it was really hard for my mum just because, you know, there'd be times where she'd be so angry and frustrated at him but then she'd have to think this isn't him, it's the sickness. Yeah. But because he looked normal. Of course. And he still had those, he still had some personality traits to make him him. She still wants to scream and shout at him. But yeah, and, and like, but then there's, there was times where like, you know, there was times where I'd go for a walk with him because it got to a point where I didn't really want him going on walks on his own. And I'd go, I'd be on a walk with him and with the dog and next minute he'd be walking in the middle of the road, like screaming, swearing, shouting at me, being like, I want, where's Simone? Like my mum you know, shouting for my mum and saying, I want to go home, I just want to go home, but walk in the opposite direction. He's lived in this town for his whole life. And I'm like, well, Dad, if you want to go home, we need to go this way, you know? And there'll be times we'd be having a full screaming match on the street because I'm like, we are just stood in the middle of a main road. I'm stressed. I've got the dog on the lead trying to go the opposite way. There's big, the, the, the road that you stood on, you know, big trucks and stuff coming and Nobody else is understanding why you're causing this disruption. Yeah, nobody knows what's going on. And I'm like, get out of the road. But he's like fuming. And the more angry I would get, the more angry he'd get. And like, it was just, you know, by the end, I'm bawling my eyes out. But it's, completely, but it's completely and utterly human nature. Yeah. He's being looked after, though, obviously. He's in somewhere very, very nice that, yeah. that, that protect him. Yeah he's, in a, yeah, he's in a care home in Denby now. And they're literally, yeah, it's amazing. Every time we go there, he's, like, so like, clean. He's, like, they're just, they, they don't, they don't they know. They really when, look after him. Yeah, it. they don't know when we're going. And, like, every time we go over there, he's, like, clean shaven. And do you think like, you've, do you think you're getting better with your, um, seed of Lickensack? Yeah, no, we don't want him to think that he, because he gets really upset if he's not in a podcast. 
I'd be with them just because I don't want the awkwardness of being like, oh, no, no. Was, or like, oh, no, I changed my mind or like whatever. But yeah, I always used to say, I mean, I made a joke about it once. I think it was maybe on Loose Women. And, you know, I remember back in the days when my sister and I, she's three years younger than me, Debbie, we'd go to discos. And I always think, I know it's much more sort of gender neutral as regards, it's probably not the right phrase for this, but, you know, women can ask men out, they can propose to men and everything. But back in the day, it you know, it was the boys and it still yeah. sort of is. Yeah. The impetus is more on them. And no matter how feminist we are we still sometimes like that yeah. but I just used to see a guy you know you could almost see them plucking up the courage to walk you know the green mile across the dance floor to ask you to yeah. dance and even if they look like Cosimodo I would go yeah absolutely oh, yeah. and then be dancing my sister would just politely but just say I'm okay thanks very much thanks for asking yeah and not have a problem with them then walking back yeah but as a result of that I ended up being with someone for three years that I should have been with for six months because mm -hmm. every time I said I think we need to talk he would fill up yeah and, and I'd end up well. going oh it doesn't matter it's it's fine. and I was there three years yeah. trapped yeah with a hollow empty feeling in my tummy because I didn't want to be there yeah yeah no I completely get that like I think me coming like exactly the same as what you're saying I think I've always I'm, I still do it now and then I have to stop myself because I'm like no if I don't want to do it like I'm not doing it yeah. it got to a point where it was honestly like even yeah it sounds like the tiniest things but you know like going to like after parties and then getting there and being like oh I don't really want to be here but then I'd stay just because yeah. I felt bad about leaving or felt awkward or like... And yet people don't really care if we leave Courtney. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I know, that's what I'm going to Nobody so cares. <laughs> it was like when I got sober, I'd be sneaking backwards out of a venue in case people went, oh, you're so boring, you can't go. Nobody cared. Yeah, they may have for about five seconds gone, oh, where did Dens go? Did yeah. they go? Oh, anyway, as I was saying, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. They don't fucking care. I know. I know. It's, I think, honestly, like, me coming to terms with this whole people-pleasing thing in this past six months, I think that's when I've really, I've really, really come to terms with it. It only really clicked to me, really, weirdly, it only really clicked to me, like, yeah, about five months ago or something. And then, in, and again, weirdly, since then, I've met people who either used to be people-pleasers and, like, they're coming into my life and, like, I'm talking about it more. And even the girl that I moved in with in January, she's like, stop, I've been there, done that. It's like and not it's like, wanting to go places. I, I now... Um, Lincoln will say to people, and, and I'm not talking about l letting people down at the last minute. Yeah. I'm sure you're the same. Yeah. We're both involved with charities. I would never in a million years, unless I was desperately sick, yeah. or there was another you know, personal reason, very serious, would I ever let down a, a charity? But I'm just talking about an event where there's going to be a million of me. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not integral to the evening, but I promised I'd go. Yeah. And I really don't want to. Yeah. I just really don't want to. And... Lincoln would just go, oh, hi, listen, I, you know, I've had a really busy week. I'm absolutely shattered. Have a brilliant time tonight. I'm not going to make it. Mm -hmm. and, and the people will go, okay, mate, no worries. Bye. I go, hi, um, all of my family and everybody I know has been wiped out in a major <laughs> aircraft disaster in the middle of Nepal. And um, I'm so sorry, but I've got to fly to them immediately. Bye. <laughs> And then I'm like on edge on what I'm posting over the next few days because so I've this big lie. Because then you can't post anything. Yeah. I mean, oh my God, I genuinely had to get out of going to um, this gym thing where I was having a new sort of training, what do you call it, consultation yeah. thing. The day we got off the plane from New York last week yeah. and we were going to, and I'm not talking about this Michael Caine party anymore, but, but it, <laughs> it was a big party and we yeah. were going to it and I was integral to it because I'd been asked to speak. Yeah. And I had talked about it last week. I, I'm having bad vertigo spells at the moment, all the spinning and everything. Yeah. 
and I was spinning so badly. I came back in here, I felt sick. I had to lie down in a darkened room mm-hmm. in, in, in the bedroom and I couldn't go to the gym. Yeah. But because it was so important to go to Michael's birthday, yeah. I rallied like you wouldn't believe to go, but I felt so poorly when I went there. Yeah. And then, of course, I did the bit there and then I posted the next day because it was Tom Cruise and Michael Caine and I, yeah. I was, you know, thrilled that I'd been part of it. But then I was thinking, oh, my God, the gym people are going to just then think, what a shyster. We've really arranged to get these trainers together for her. And she's just let us down. And, you know, I, I just, then I go into a complete panic anxiety attack about it because I was poorly when I was at the party. Yeah. But I rallied, but I couldn't have rallied for the gym. Yeah, no, of course. Oh, God. It's just, you wrap yourself up in these circles. Yeah. I know, I know exactly what you mean. Like, I, I, I honestly, for ages, I thought it was just me that like does this stupid stuff. Well, it's good that it, it's good that we've got you know we've got quite a few years between us, but we can sort of support each other when we feel like people. Please. Yeah, definitely. Or we can ring each other and say, "Will you ring?" Yeah. <laughs> but talking about um, talking about going out, we are both going out tonight, both to things that we want to go to. Yeah. You're going to a jewellery launch, yes. and I'm going to the Burberry Rainbow Awards um, LGBTQ night, and I've got nothing to wear, <laughs> as usual, um, but I'm going to rally something. So, Courtney, yeah. thank you so, so much. I haven't even made you a cup of, a cup of coffee. Oh, it's That's probably because I didn't even have any milk in. <laughs> um, it's fine. Thank you for having me on. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. <laughs> lots and lots of love, and I'll see you soon. So guys, if there's anything that you've ever heard me talking about that you'd like to hear more of, or indeed anything you can suggest that me, DK and Lincoln can bring to the table, contact me on deniswelshpod at gmail.com. And um, indeed, if you've got any questions, ask away. We'd love to hear from you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.